I am excited about today. Oh, oh yes I am. I am very excited. Let me get myself pulled together here. And spit my gum out because no one wants to hear smacking in a microphone. That's probably the worst sound. Yes. Amen to that. And get water. Whoo. What a morning it's been. What a glorious morning it has been today. Uh, when Pastor Tim was talking about Emmeline, precious little Emmeline, and, you know, that she saw Jesus at the end of her bed and saying, I'm here. Or when he's talking about, I think he said, you know, he's always here. I just was listening and I heard him say, I'm here. And I was like, oh, he's just so wonderful. I'm here. Lord, we thank you that you're here. Jesus, we thank you that you're so near. Thank you that you're so kind. You're so patient. You're so full of grace. You're filled with so much joy. You love us so much. And we thank you that that's all available right now. the fullness of who you are available right now. So we just open up our hearts to you, Jesus. We direct all of our attention, our affection to you. We thank you. We love you. It's just so much better than we know. And I love that we have a lifetime and eternity to discover that. And we get to experience just how good He really is. And in each season, it can look so different. You know, each season, it looks completely different. And the seasons of brokenness, when you're so hurting, He's the sweetest, most wonderful comforter. He's your closest friend. In the seasons of abundance, He's the one that celebrates and dances with you and your provider. In the seasons where you feel so lost and just confused, He's peace. And we get to personally experience Him and know Him. And he just blows me away. Oh, we love you, Jesus. And so I just encourage you, just position your heart this morning to receive from him and get to know him. Just position your heart that way. You never know what he'll do. I mean, like during worship, it's our response to him, right? Worship is our response to love on Him 
And I just love it because, you know, we're worshiping and it's wonderful and it's glorious. And all of a sudden, I just get hit with so much joy. And it's not like I was seeking out joy, but just like while I'm just have my heart positioned for him, I just got filled with his joy. You know, you can't stop laughing. And that's just how wonderful he is. So that's what I'm saying. Position your heart because he wants to make himself real and known to each and every one of us today. He wants to meet us right where we're at. He knows exactly what we need. And we get to experience him in a whole new way today. (sighs) Okay. Jared, thank you for hanging. I love when Jared plays because he's not just playing, he's ministering to the Lord. So while he's playing, you know, you feel such peace while Jared plays. Well, it's because he's ministering to the Lord. You know, David would come in and he'd play, and it's the same kind of thing where while he's playing, it's not just chord, chord, chord. He's ministering to the Lord, each and every chord. It's ministry to the Lord. It's ministry to the Lord. As our guys are on cameras this morning, it's ministry to the Lord. While we're sitting here right now, let it be ministry to the Lord that our hearts are just engaged with Him, our affection on Him. All right. I really believe um, Wednesday morning, it was so awesome. I got to hang out with our wild, crazy prayer intercessors. They, you want to be there on a Wednesday morning, 10 a.m., if you've never been to our Wednesday morning prayer, I highly encourage you to go. I highly, highly encourage you to go. Talk about people that are fired up about Jesus, and you can't help but be fired up. So I encourage you to go. Anyways, I had the great opportunity to lead them because our precious Barb, thank you, Jesus, is feeling so much better now. Praise the Lord. Um, she called me up that morning. Pastor Christy, would you be able to lead it? I said, yes, gladly. And it was amazing. But a theme that the Lord was moving in that morning um, was it's a time to celebrate what God is doing. And it's the time of the turnaround. He's turning things around. That God is turning things around. He's turning things around. And so we just started praying, and it was one of those where, you know when something comes out of you, like when you're talking and you're like, this is God, because I can't help but just keep saying it. And so you're just like, well, I'm going to lean in, because I feel like this is you, Lord. And that's what it was over and over again. It's a turnaround. It's a turnaround. It's a turnaround. It's a turnaround. And I believe that that's what God's doing. He's turning things around. God is turning things around. It's time to celebrate. It's time to feast on what God is doing and what he's done. I felt that really strongly. It is time to feast on what God is doing and what he's done. And so we started doing that at prayer. And it's so, I love talking about testimonies because we begin to hear what God did and that he wants to do it again. So we share, hey, God did this. He wants to do it again. So precious Diane, there she is, hallelujah. We were in prayer, and all of a sudden, it was, like, brought it to my remembrance. She'd been healed of cancer twice. Two different times healed of cancer. And so we were going to be praying for someone who had been struggling with cancer. 
And so I'm like, will you share your testimony? So she starts sharing what God has done, that he healed her of cancer two different times. And when that happens, then there's grace and power released to do it again. So we release that. We begin praying. And all of a sudden, you can feel faith rise in the room. And so we're praying and we're believing my Aunt Sharon's going to be completely healed in Jesus' name. Thank you for healing my Aunt Sharon, God. Thank you for bringing life into her body that every cancer cell has to go in Jesus' name. Thank you for complete healing over her body in Jesus' name. We thank you for the turnaround, God. So we release that testimony over my Aunt Sharon and we're believing for the turnaround. But the whole prayer meeting was led that way. It, I love how God works, and it's amazing what God's doing, because literally, basically, every prayer need we had, we had a testimony for it already. It was like, this person needs healed of this, and we go, oh, you were healed of this, so let's release this testimony, and then we begin to pray over it. And when we do that, you could feel such faith rise in the room, because we were feasting and focusing on what God has done and what he was doing. And I believe that is so important right now for us as Christians, as believers, for us to focus on what God has done and what he's doing. So let's turn to Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60, starting at verse 1. It says, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. Darkness covers, but... The glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. Say, appears over me. It feels good, doesn't it? The glory of the Lord rises and appears over me. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. I believe this is a word for right now. I believe this is a prophetic word. A part of this is a prophetic declaration and message for our church. And yes, for each person here. But it says, look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you wealth of many lands. But what I felt very strongly were two different things. I felt the reality of knowing that the glory of the Lord rises to shine over each and every one of us. So let that stir up deep in you. The glory of the Lord rises to shine on me today, here today. And look and see, everyone is coming home. Say, everyone's coming home. Everyone's coming home. I felt it really strongly in prayer, and I believe it again. We've talked about this in our staff meetings. We believe there's the reality, like his kindness leads people to repentance, right? It's his kindness that leads people to repentance. And he's, Jesus is so wonderful. He loves us so, 
much. And I believe that those people that we've been praying for, believing for to come back to Jesus are coming home. They're coming home. The turnaround is happening. Jesus is moving on hearts because he loves his people so much. And they're coming home. Everyone is coming home. Your sons and daughters are coming home. At prayer, we got to have some amazing testimonies shared about sons coming home. And I believe that right now. Those people that you've been praying for, and I want to encourage you in this Those people that you've contended for, you've prayed for faithfully, believing for them to come home, they're coming home. They are. They're coming home. And so prepare your hearts for that. The lost sons and daughters are coming. All right. So knowing that, let's go into some stuff here. Let's go to Acts 4. So when Isaiah said, arise and shine, for your light has come, right? The glory of the Lord rises to shine on each and every one of us. So first of all, say, that's me. His light shines on me and through me. Okay, so we're Christians, right? Are you a believer? You love Jesus? Amazing. He wants to shine on you and through you. So you have to, so we've received this glorious gift of salvation, Right? Like, who has experienced the love of Jesus? It's the greatest thing ever, right? We get to give it away now. So the Lord's saying, hey, my light, it's shining on you. So what are we going to do about it? We're going to give it away. Thank you, Jesus. So we have beautiful examples in the Bible. It's to be an invitation for us to realize what we can do, what we're called to do. So in Acts... 4, verse 1. We'll just read it. You guys game for reading this? Okay. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests and the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. They were really offended that they'd preach about how amazing Jesus is. They arrested them And since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. 
So the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, and they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I want to be recognized as a woman who has been with Jesus. I want people to go, holy moly, she's really bold. And she did go to some schooling, not a lot though, but she's been with Jesus. I can tell that girl has been with Jesus. And that's what it gets to be like for us, guys. What if, I mean, these were religious rulers at the time. Imagine you were just thrown in jail because you prayed for someone who was crippled and they were healed. So you're thrown in jail. And then they ask you, like, by what power have you done this? You're in jail. And they go, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you who he is. And having such a boldness that these people were taken back. They were amazed by the boldness. That's what we get to do as believers. We get to walk in that kind of boldness and have people recognize that we've been with Jesus. Like when, we, when you go to the restaurant after this, how amazing would it be if you get to pray for someone at the restaurant, they get healed, and they go, wow, I can tell that you've been with Jesus. I can tell that you've been with Jesus. We have the afterglow, you know, after you leave church, and they're like, whoa, I can tell you've been with Jesus. That's what we want. We have these glorious encounters for a reason. It's not just for us. It's to go out and give him away. He's so wonderful. He set me free. I had anxiety. He brought me peace. Like we get to give it away. And I love it as it goes on. They're so angry because they don't know what to do with these men. They're like, what do we do? They're, doing, they're going against the status quo. They're going against what they're supposed to be doing. But we can't deny that this man was healed. That's why they were upset because they're trying to go against him. But it's like seeing that someone who was crippled is healed by them. And he had been crippled for 40 years. So the people couldn't deny it. They go, clearly, he was touched by God. He was crippled, and now he walks. And so at that point, they're like, well, we better just let them go because we'll start a riot if we are to imprison them because now everyone's praising God about what he's done. How awesome is that? I mean, think about it. Like, if you were to be thrown into jail for praying for someone to be healed, and then they're questioning you, but they all of a sudden, everyone else saw that that person was healed. So now they're like, well, we can't throw you in jail because it's going to be in, like an uproar because everyone's praising God. So go free. That's awesome. My life isn't quite like that yet. I'm excited for it to get closer. It can look like that. But I want that to be a real thing in me, that people are amazed at the boldness And the reality that I've been close to Jesus. I've been with Jesus. And in Acts 9, you have the story of Ananias and Saul's conversion. And I love this. I talked about it a few weeks ago. But Saul was literally persecuting Christians. Like he was killing Christians. That was his role was to go, if he found out you were a Christian, to kill you. And God speaks to Ananias and tells him, 
you need to go find this man, Saul, the one who's killing everyone. You're going to go, and he's going to get saved. So imagine that, being so tuned into the voice of God, having such a yes in your heart to what Jesus wants, and not seeing people according to just their deeds, but knowing that they're a blood-bought child of God, like Jesus died for them. So imagine Hitler. Jesus tells you, hey, you're going to go and you're going to, like, if you were a Jew, you're going to go and you're going to preach the gospel to him and he's going to get saved. And you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure he's murdering everyone who's like me. I mean, that, that helps us a little bit of a better idea, right? We think Hitler, we're like, okay, yeah, horrible. But Jesus loved him, died for him, and says, hey, I want you to go to him. And then he does, he gets saved. It's glorious, amazing. We see it, Saul to Paul, most of the New Testament then. But there's a reality. Why are they so bold? There's something that happened to these men. That's when Jesus grips your heart with his love for humanity, his love for you and his love for humanity, when you realize there is nothing I did to save myself, it is all by the grace of God. It's all his grace. It's not because I was so awesome. It's because Jesus loved me and he knew I needed a savior and Jesus loves you and he knows you need a savior and Jesus loves Joe Biden and he knows that he needs a savior and come on. But it's real. I got so gripped in prayer because um, Carlos, he was talking about, we need to pray for these people that are so lost. And it's easy for me to be like, justice, no, they're just wrong. But the reality is like, Jesus loves them. He died for them. He paid for their salvation. And when your heart gets gripped by the reality of grace, that it is his, his unmerited favor, his love, his kindness that leads to repentance. Boy, I started praying and I'm like, Jesus, thank you. I pray that you would meet them wherever they're at, Lord. Set them free. We pray for truth to come out and for salvation, Lord. We pray for truth and salvation because who knows what could happen. Look what happened to Saul. Saul to Paul. So it's Lord, is my heart yielded, do I really understand how good the gospel is? Do I really understand how big grace is? Grace is offensive. I mean, if we look, it is. It's so offensive. It, it's a little upsetting sometimes because you're like, they need to straighten up. But God's like, I love them. And they will. You know, he's kind. He leads us to repentance but he's so patient. He meets us right where we're at. If we look at the woman who was caught in adultery, this is John 8. Caught in the act. How embarrassing would that be? You're caught in the act of adultery. Brought out in front. It's not just like, oh, I heard you were doing this. No, caught. That's messy. That's an ugly scene. It is. Let's just get this. Let's make these scriptures real. Like, it's messy. It's ugly. John 8. Thank you. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. 
As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus, he stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest to the youngest until it was only Jesus and the woman left. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Did even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. He's so kind. That's grace. (laughs) Can you imagine having so much shame going, being pulled out in a crowd? Like, imagine if someone pulls, you do something wrong. We pull you up right here. This is what this woman's done. She should be killed. And she's just sitting there like, I know, I'm horrible, already so embarrassed. And Jesus, I love it. He doesn't just go, get up, woman. No, he stoops down. He meets her right there. Oh, where are your accusers now? Go and sin no more. Can you imagine the love that she experienced right there? The love, the mercy, the grace. He's so kind. And we get to give that kindness away. His love is offensive. (laughs) His grace is just so much to handle sometimes. And then we're going to share a beautiful testimony here in a little of when God begins to grip our heart, when he begins to change us, and we begin to see people the way that he does. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Five. Sorry for the sniffles. It happens when I cry. Oh, okay, I'm gonna blow my nose. I really don't like those kind of sounds in a microphone, so I was a little bit aware of that. Okay. Second Corinthians five. We can start at verse fourteen. Actually thirteen. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. When you realize all that Jesus has done, we're not living for ourselves. We didn't do anything to get saved. We believed, right? 
He met us in our mess and he goes, I love you. Do you want freedom? That's why it's good news. It's the best news. You didn't do anything to earn it. It's this free gift that he gave. When you realize this, you realize I'm not living for myself. Instead, they live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. Say it's a gift. It's a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Woo! And God has given us the task of reconciling people back to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Ho! Sometimes you just need to, I think that we need to read the Gospels a lot more. You need to be reminded of how good Jesus is, how good grace is, how good his wonderful gift of mercy and forgiveness is. We can't just play church. You know, we have to realize Jesus saved me and he loves you and you can be free today. It's his free gift for you today. And when we realize our gift now, our mission is to be ministers of reconciliation. We're the ones who go, hey, he loves you. Do you want to come back to him? He loves you. His grace is so wonderful. He's so kind. Do you want to come back to him? I know you're hurting and lost and you're doing that because you're, you're feeling broken, but you can come back to him today. He loves you. We have been given the glorious ministry of reconciliation. It's a ministry and it's what we're to do as Christians. We don't just sit. It's not just to sit in our chair and just entertain ourselves. We're here to experience the goodness of God and to give it away. I mean, think about the woman who, yes, it's wonderful. But think about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. She experiences this freedom, this grace. It's just the greatest thing that could ever happen to her. I bet she was quite the evangelist after. We get to be the ones, we get to be his hands and feet. He chooses us. It's just crazy to me. And I, I'm going to have us share a little testimony to make this very real. Because we can talk about this and it's wonderful, but sometimes you need a real life story and testimony to make it that much more like, oh, I can do that. The reality of how God has changed someone's heart and they've become such a glorious minister of reconciliation. And so I'm going to have Marty come up here and she's going to share one of the most powerful testimonies I've just about ever heard on reconciliation. So give her a big round of applause. 
Okay, okay. Well, um, a lot of you probably don't know that um, I was, uh, my mother was six months pregnant with me, and she um, went and tried to abort me, and I was born on emergency room floor, and I was less than two pounds. And I went, they put me in an incubator. They wouldn't let her see me at all. And I lived in an incubator for 11 and a half months. And at 11 and a half months, my mother was divorcing my father. And she came and took me out of the hospital and moved to another state. And in that process, then she remarried. And the family I lived with, with her, was extremely abusive. And I lived there till I was 18. In and what had, kind of ways were they abusive? Uh, Emotional, physical, spiritual, uh, sexual. It was just beatings every day. And you live to survive. And that's what you learned how to do was survive. And it was, um, I didn't like anybody. I didn't, my older sister told me at one point in time recently that I just was always in the background, hiding back and whimpering all the time and things on it. Well, anyway... I became very angry. At 18, my mother told me the story that she had tried to abort me. I did not know it till then. And then I became extremely angry, extremely resentful, bitter hatred towards her. And I didn't speak to her for years and years and years. In March of 1983, Jesus Christ came into my life. I, was, I felt worthless. I felt unloved. I felt uh, I was a throwaway. I was um, uh, worth nothing. And at that very moment when Christ came into my life, I totally was transformed. And I felt his love immediately and, and walked, as Irv says, I hit the ground running because I love him so much. He's done so much and changed my life and my heart so much. And I, we lived in the Tri-Cities um, in Washington, and uh, like I said, for years I never spoke to my mother, had anything to do with her whatsoever, or my, my real brothers. I have two real brothers, two real sisters, and two half-brothers, and a lot of step-brothers and step-sisters. But in um, 1990, I was given the opportunity to meet my mother and spend time with her at my oldest brother's house, and I was terrified to go. But God spoke to my heart. Jesus spoke to me and said, I want you to forgive. And I really, really was hard. I wanted to with him so much to do that. So on the way there, I prayed, first off, put a double lock on my mouth that I would not say something that would start problems. And then I asked, said, God, please show me if she was the only person on this earth that you went to that cross and you died for her sins and her, and you, you want her to know she loves you and you love her. And so when I got there, I, I always say, if you don't want that to happen, don't ask God because <laughs> he will do it. And honestly, some things happened that first evening that brought out every truth in my mother's life of her pains, her hurts, her life was identical to like mine in so many ways and therefore she was so full of anger and hatred and resentful and bitterness and felt she was a throwaway in her life 
And at that moment, God gave me the, melted my heart of anger. And I walked across the room, put my arms around her, and prayed in the spirit to know over her, saying, Lord Jesus, heal her heart the way you healed mine. And three years later, after seeing each other all the time and visiting and everything, our relationship grew and grew together. And she was around, we were around, and Jesus came. I showed her Jesus so much. And one day she called me and said, would you pray with me to receive Jesus? And Come on. And I said, yes. So when she prayed the sinner's prayer with me, and then I said, mother, you need to ask him for what you need, what you want him to give you that no one else can give you and change. She said, I want him to take the anger and the negativity and the unworthiness out of my heart and give me a heart of joy. And he did. He, at very moment, she got hit with the Holy Spirit, and she had a Holy Spirit laughter for the next 10 years of her life before she went home to be with Jesus. Come on! Yes, Lord! Woo. Yes. And then God gave me the opportunity after that to pray, during those years, to pray with my brothers and my sisters, and they have all received Jesus Christ. Wow. Amen. Come on. How many siblings do you have? Okay, I have two real brothers, two real sisters, two half-brothers, and 14 step-brothers and stepsisters. <laughs> in life. And we lived in a very small house. So, <laughs> But um, on top of that is, when I also want to say one big thing for my own self is, I, am, I love Jesus so much, and I just am fire for him constantly every day, and I love telling what he's done to help me and to save me and what he's done in, in our family's lives. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, thank you for sharing. Um, I would love for you to do something. I'd love, I'd love for you to pray over everyone. Um, that we would get gripped with the love of Jesus like that. Well, one thing when I will say that when I was in all of that uh, anger and everything, and I came to the Lord, I was very uh, illiterate. I could not read very well. I could not speak. I would not speak in front of other people. And Jesus gave me a word at the very beginning of my walk with him. And he took me to Moses. When Moses said, I can't go to do to talk for, to people because of the way I talk. And God said, you keep my, your eyes on me and I will be your mouth. So right now, I just, Lord, I keep my eyes on you and I ask you to speak through me at this moment. For each and every person that is here, you know what their needs are. You know what their pains are, what, what they need to be delivered from. You know what needs to happen and what joy they need to receive. And Lord Jesus, I just ask that you place your hand upon each and every person here and reach down into their hearts of hearts, the pain that it give them, fill them with your joy and your love and let them know for sure that it's you who's doing it in your holy name, Jesus. And I pray the blood of Jesus over each and every one of you in your families. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give her a round of applause. Thank you.
Doesn't that inspire, convict, and just stir up this love in you about someone who walked in the ministry of reconciliation? How Jesus can go and he can heal every wound, every abuse, all the fear, all the shame, every insecurity. He can just come in and just heal it all. And then we get to give it away. So you would never know that when you talk to Marty. You just think she's the most sweet, fiery ball, little Jesus-loving woman you've ever met. And then you hear everything that she went through, and she gave a very condensed version, um, very condensed version of the reality of what had happened. But God. But God. Romans 5 Verse 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us. Say, for me. For me. me. By sending his son, Christ, to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, While we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. While we were utterly helpless, while we were in our mess, ooh, While you were caught in the act of adultery, while you were cheating, while you were as high as a kite, when you were utterly helpless, God came, boom, sent his son to rescue you, to pull you out of the pit, to get you out of that miry clay, to clean you up, to put a ring on a robe on you. That's grace. That's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. I have a cousin who uh, had ran away from the Lord, and he was in law school, all kinds of stuff going on, and, but he had some interceding family. He had some family that was praying for him, and he's in a car, high as a kite, like high, totally not trying to do anything to love on Jesus, high. But he had praying family. He gets touched by the Holy Ghost in his car, starts speaking in tongues while he's high. Like, that's Jesus. That's Jesus being like, I love you. I'm going to rescue you. That's amazing. That's grace. That's how good he is. Ooh, if that doesn't make you want to like run out and love on people, I don't know what will. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And he wants everyone to come back home. You don't have to have it all together. You just say, I need you, Jesus. And he leads you step by step by step by step. He can set you free today. Ooh. So good. You want to get happy, just realize all that Jesus did for you. 
Luke 15. Start at verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I love it. When he finally came to his senses, isn't that how it feels, like how it felt when you came to Jesus? Like when you finally came to your senses. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And he said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. <laughs> so the party began. <laughs> Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music, the dancing, and he asked the servants, what was going on? Your brother's back, he was told, and your father's killed a fattened calf. So older brother gets upset. Older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and you've never once refused to do a single thing. I've never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you've never even given me one goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on, prostitu on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother who was dead has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. We just got to get gripped with the love of the Father. He's so kind and he loves us so much. I love it. Even with the older brother, his heart there of like, dear son, I know you've been faithful. And I know you've done everything I've asked. 
But you have to understand, this is a happy day because your brother who is dead is home. He loves us so much. He cares so dearly for our hearts. And he's just looking and he's waiting. I love the reality that the father was looking at the distance that he was continually expectant for his son to walk in through the door. He was expectant for his son to come home and when he did, he was filled with love. And I know that there are people on both sides here where it's like you've been waiting and it's like you've been looking at the door like, I hope they walk in today. I hope they walk in today. But guess what? Your sons and daughters are coming home. It's like it said in Isaiah, your sons and daughters are coming home. And guess what? If you've been the lost one, you can come home and he's going to put a ring on your finger. He puts a robe on you. He puts sandals on your feet. He throws a feast because he loves you. He'll clean you up. He'll fix you up because he's so full of grace and mercy and kindness. If we go to Luke 15, just a little bit above it. This is, I have it in the message this time because I really like it. Or imagine a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? Or a woman who's lost her phone. Maybe that's a little more accurate now. Won't she look in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Count on it. Oh, count on it. That's the kind of party that the angels are having up in heaven when a lost son or daughter comes home. It's not, oh, so you finally came. It's yes. Praise God. They've returned. Thank you, Lord. Let's celebrate. <laughs> Ooh. We've got to let the love of Jesus grip our hearts like this. We get to be ministers of reconciliation. John 4. Verse 34. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are ripe for harvest. So I say, look up, look around. Those people you've been praying for, oh, they're ready to come home. The harvest is ripe. Look up, look up, look up. Let's go ahead and stand. John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son 
that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. He loves us, He loves us, He loves us, He loves us, He loves us. Lord, I thank you. (laughs) I thank you for your grace, Jesus. I thank you that you see us right where we're at. I thank you that you care so deeply. You lean into the ground. You say, where are your accusers now? You wait with a ring and a robe. And I pray, one, that we would be gripped with that love. I pray that we would be gripped with the love that you have for your sons and daughters. I pray, like Marty said, that we would see people the way that you do, Jesus that we would see everyone as a son or a daughter, a blood-bought son or daughter that you love and you're just saying, come home. And another thing, if you've been running, he's saying, come home. If you've been running, it's, he's so kind and it's time to come home today. If you felt lost, if you, if you are ready to come back to the Father, if you've been lost in guilt and shame and whatever it is, it's time to come home to a loving Father. And we as a church position our hearts, not be the older brother, but to be the ones like the angels celebrating in heaven, right? As Christians, we position our hearts to be the ones celebrating when a lost son or daughter comes home. And so if you're someone who's dealt with this guilt, this shame, like I'll never add up, I can never add up, I can never add up, and you've tried and you've tried and you feel like you're stuck again, like in the cycle of sin, whatever it is, Jesus says, hey, come. He says, come today. I'm I'm here to set you free today. I'm here to set you free today. We've got a prayer team. They'd love to pray for you, but I just encourage you respond to God today. You can just come up to the front. If, I feel it strong. If you felt like you've been running and you're ready to return, just come up to the front. Someone's going to pray for you. We thank you, Lord. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your kindness, Jesus. I thank you for setting us free, Lord. Thank you for setting us free, Jesus. And just put your hands on your heart for a moment. Lord, I thank you for your love. And I pray that each and every one of us would experience that love today. Right where we're at, we'd experience that love today, Jesus. If you felt like you'll never add up, well, guess what? His grace is what sets you free anyways. If you've just had the weight of shame on you, He wants to exchange that today. He wants to bring peace to you today.
Anyone who's in Christ becomes a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So your old life, everything that defined you before, it can be gone today. Today. When you choose to make Him Lord of your life, they said, like, what do I do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized. So it's simple. We recognize what's gone on. And we all know when we've had sin in our life and we feel yuck, right? We recognize, we call it for what it is. Jesus, this is sin. I can't save myself anymore. I need a Savior. I need you, Jesus. I repent. Repent and be baptized and you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you do that, he says the slate is clean. That's not going to define you anymore. Your past experiences, the things that you've done, the lifestyle you lived, that's not who you are anymore. You're mine. You're a child. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High Living God. You've been given a new nature through Jesus. That's the reality. Like when you come to know Jesus, he doesn't just, you don't just have to kind of barely go through life and still feel yuck. No, you become a new creation in Christ and he wants that for you today. And so I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that, God. And once again, Jesus, we position our hearts to love like you. We want to love like you. Thank you for the ministry of reconciliation, Jesus. Thank you that everyone's coming home today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I encourage you, go out with the love of Jesus today. Go love on people. If you need prayer, come on up. Pastor Lynn's going to come here for a moment too. He's got something he was wanting to share with everyone. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. I really believe it very strongly that there are people that are coming home to Jesus today. And I can be patient in waiting. I can be patient because I'm growing in His nature more and more like Him. And He's really patient. But He sees us and He knows us. And so I want us to pray this together. So you can pray this out loud with me. Jesus, I need you. I recognize my sin and I know I need a savior. I repent from what I've done and I turn to you today, Jesus. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to lead. I wanna follow you, Jesus. And so today, I receive your love. I receive your grace. I receive the ring on my finger, the robe on my back. I am a son or a daughter. I belong to you, Jesus. I'm not living for myself. I'm living for you, Jesus. And I thank you for your gift of salvation and grace and peace. And right now, Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit to come.
come and to flood people right now in Jesus' name, Lord. Holy Spirit, just put your hands out. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for flooding and filling people today, Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you went so that the Holy Spirit could come and that you are our comforter, you are our empowerment, Lord. And so I speak the comfort and the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit over people today in Jesus' name. That the same, like like Peter, where they would see the power of the Holy Spirit on them, they're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit on you. And Holy Spirit is going to start leading you and guiding you, especially if you gave your life to Jesus today. There are things that will come up in your life that won't feel right anymore. You know, there might be music that you're like, this, I just can't listen to this anymore. There might be a friend that you're like, I am not supposed to be around you today. But that's the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you and He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. And you're being conformed into the image of Christ. That means every day He's making you more and more like Him. The Holy Spirit won't leave you. He's ever present. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And thank you, Jesus, for your finished work of the cross. That you say that we are now dead to sin and we're alive to you through Christ Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you brought us relationship and friendship with God again. Not by what we've done, but all that you did on the cross, Jesus. We thank you today. And thank you that today's a new slate. It's a new day. In Jesus' name, amen. Like we said, we still have the prayer team. If you'd like prayer for anything, they'd love to pray for you. They'd love to minister with you. And we just bless you all with the love and the grace and the kindness of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.